welcome back. Yeah, right? You're so good. You're so good. Oh, a couple more. <laughs> we'll figure your guys' group on hot in a second. All right, so welcome back. Timberwood Hughes is back in person in the Great Hall. So stinking excited for that. Can I get a woo? Okay, one more time because this is really exciting. It's been a long time. So woo! Same level. Okay, uh, let's get into it. We have a few announcements for you guys. If you're a new student or you have information to update, then let your leader know and they'll get you a card and then they'll update your information. Then I can get that, and then we can tell you when our retreats are happening, if they're happening, that kind of stuff. All right, next announcement. Bring these things. So if you don't have a Bible, now's a very good time to grab one. They're in the little space right there. So bring a Bible for sure. Always remember that. Uh, dress for the weather and water bottle. All right, so masks. I know we all know it, but I just want masks to cover our mouths and our noses. So we're just going to stick to that so that we all know where we're at. And then gym rules, only non-marking shoes. So if your shoes are clean and they don't leave a streak, you can wear them in the gym. No food or drinks on the court and then leave all the equipment in the gym. Even though you really want to throw a dodgeball at somebody as they're walking out, resist the temptation. Resist. All right. I believe that takes care of that. <coughs> Well, it's been a while. <laughs> so in fourth grade, by the way, you can open up your Bible to cha uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31 and 32 on the screen there. In fourth grade, my teacher thought the best thing that they could do was come up with a system where everybody acts as a tattletale. We keep each other in line. So what they did is everybody at the start of the year was given like 500 coupons, kind of like Monopoly money, right? And every time you acted out, you're... Uh, fellow student could tap on your shoulder and say, hey, you just broke a classroom rule. You owe me five coupons. So this happened over and over and over. Likewise, if you did something worth uh, celebrating, you'd get five coupons from the teacher. Now, how many of you are shocked that I like to talk? Right, so my fourth grade teacher should have known this as well. So as I am in the line and I'm walking around and I start saying hi to my favorite teachers, hi to some students, tap, 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 and you owe me five coupons. Okay, whatever, fine, here's five coupons. Then I continue to go, oh, hey, Mr. Gannis, how was your day? Tap, 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 and you owe me five coupons. Over and over and over. This was repetitive, and it was annoying. So annoying. I mean, more annoying than the little sibling in the back car with you who keeps tapping you or pushing on you. So annoying. So then finally, the last tap happened where I spun around. I gave them every coupon in my arsenal. I said, now I get to talk to you for half an hour. You owe me your time. That was supposed to be funny, sorry. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Point being, I was done playing the game. I was done following the rules because they didn't benefit me at all. And I just felt like I was ridiculed 24-7, that people were always watching me. I feel like we can relate. And then you talk about not having support. You talk about uh, not or, uh, standing out, being weird, being different. Well, when I was younger, I went through a lot of traumatic experiences. 
we don't need to get into that right now, but, you know, a few lives lost in the family, a few broken relationships, etc. So I had problems. And my parents thought, what we can do for Aiden is send him to the school counselor, and he can spend some time there. This was about fifth grade. And I started developing a relationship with my school counselor. I'd go in weekly, I'd talk to them, share my issues, talk through things, get their feedback, help a brother out. I think it was about the seventh or eighth time that I went that I sat down in the chair and I had a list, bulleted, excited to go through, like, here's every issue that I faced this week, ready to talk about it, ready to figure it out. My counselor said to me, Aiden, you don't have to complain every time you come in here. Wrecked me. One person I trusted, again, gone. See, it was easy for me to be by myself. It was easy for me to find a corner and just be alone. The fact is really, really easy because even when I sit at lunchroom tables, students would get up from the table and go to other tables. And that was the response that I got. Granted, some of this was my fault because I'm like, well, I'm weird, so I'm just going to own it and be weird. Some of it is just a hard uh, environment to be in. So I decided to make a game of it. I decided every time I sat down at a table and a student left, I shouldn't say student because it sounds like I'm an adult when I'm doing this. <laughs> um, every time I sat down as a kid and somebody would leave, I counted it as a point, and it became a game. And then I'd try to go for the high score every time I had lunch because that's all I could do with my time. That's all I felt I meant to somebody. So I struggled with a sense of unnoticed or being noticed for the wrong things, unloved, unsupported, or the word we're going to talk about, forsaken. Now let me get the ball off of myself a little bit. Where are we? You as students, where are you at today? came up with a list of things that I've had conversations with people that you guys missed out on. Your school activities such as math, um, knowledgeable, missing band, missing sports. So where are you at? One of the things that personally stung me a little bit is the Nisswa City of Lights didn't happen. And my family for the first time went last year, so we wanted to make it an annual thing. That ended. We canceled the retreats because it was a smart, responsible thing to do. But certainly not being with you guys kind of sucked. Not you and you being uh, missing out from your friends. That sucked. I think we need to give ourselves the chance to pause and, and just admit. Because I don't know about you, but I got tired of hearing everything's a blessing. Just look for God in it. It's okay. You'll be fine. And I wouldn't be able to mourn the sacrifices we've been forced to make. And you guys can get more into that later with your leaders. Th well, that's one of the questions. And honestly, as your leaders, we want to hear where you're at. Other hard things that happened that I heard this year. We weren't able to visit grandparents in hospitals. My own girlfriend, her personal story, can't visit her great-grandma. They celebrated her birthday outside her window. She's hard of hearing the way it is, so 
you got to imagine how hard it was for the message to get across from her. I think the toughest one that I hear and that I actually interacted with somebody on is they missed a funeral. Somebody significant in their life died, and they had to wait a while. These are hard things that we're facing, so let's not pretend we're not facing them. For one night, I want you to hear from me, it's okay to mourn. It's okay to say this sucks. So then where's the hope? Once we get into Deuteronomy 31, Moses is delivering a speech to his people. But talk about missing out. There is an entire generation of Israelites that did not get to go in the promised land. In fact, they disobeyed God and chose not to follow God's word. And then we're told not a single one of you will go into the promised land. Your people will only go in when every single one of you in this generation dies. Talk about loss. Talk about hearing a promise of peace and fulfillment. Talk about hearing you'll have a home and a place to call your own and finally becoming a people. And that's just ripped away from you. And Moses still chooses to stand on top of a people as their leader. And he still chooses to be faithful to God. As I said, the Israelites are in search of home. And what they're really in search of, because we talk about Deuteronomy as this uh, comment on their journey through the desert. So they're walking through the desert dry and feeling left out, and they're searching for this home, this peace. Come on, people, you know where I'm going with this. New Testament calls us sojourners. As a people, you and I as Christians, we're just waiting to go home. And that we still have a responsibility as we go through our desert. So these people were exhausted. They were hurting, and they were longing for prosperity. They were longing for God to deliver. And it's just a waiting game. Feel familiar? Sound familiar? How many times have your parents said, I don't know yet, we'll find out? How many times has the school said, we'll find out? How many times have I, as a leader, had to say, we'll find out? It's a waiting game game. So then if you'll join me in verse 31, starting in, excuse me, chapter 31, verse 1. (coughs) So Moses continued to speak these words to all of Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them and Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the kings of Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you and you shall do them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. First verse of hope. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Again, I just want to remind us that Moses was in a similar spot. This is his speech that he's saying when 
he knows he's not going into the promised land. I think there's some intensity behind what's happening here. Moving forward in verse 7. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all of Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people and into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Twice now. In eight verses, Moses, who was told by God, you have disobeyed me, you are not going into the promised land. Every blessing that I promised you here on earth is revoked from you. But your people will still be abundant and cared for. Imagine the strength and character you have to have to say to your successor, hey, I don't get to go into the land because of the sins I've committed, but I want you to be successful. And God has still told me that you're going to be in charge. I mean, come on, people. This is amazing. So then what does it mean to be forsaken? That's the question. So if you want to join me in chapter 31 again, verse 16. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. And they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Because of that, then my anger will be kindled against them in that day. And I will forsake them and hide my face from them. And they will be devoured and many evils and troubles will come upon them. So that they will say in that day, have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us. Let's be clear about this text for a moment. What just happened was that the people decided to separate from God, not God from the people. I want that to be very clear here. A relationship with God is always possible when you want to pursue it. And the door is always open. But in this context, what happened is the Israelites said, we're done with you, God. We're going our own way. God's like, make your own choice. And this is what it looks like for a people who does not choose to be in relationship with God. This is what it means to be forsaken. To be forsaken is a complete separation from God. A truly hopeless place to be. And on that note, then, the next text, chapter 32, is a song from Moses. So let's talk about songs a little bit. Songs have the ability to teach us truth. So I chose a song that taught me a lot of truth, and I know it taught most of you a lot of truth. Amy, if you please. There's a hundred tiny monsters jumping right into your jammies. What are you going to do? I'm going to call the police. No, <laughs> you don't need to do anything. What? Why? Because... God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. Oh, God is Or I'm the only one who's brave enough to sing it. Boogeyman, and he's watching out for you and me. That's fair. It's really impossible. We just had a 180. 
right? We're talking about here are all of the curses that you're going to experience from stepping away from God. And then all of a sudden, let's sing a VeggieTales song. Isn't that amazing? I love the text. It's so great. So there we have it, a picture of being forsaken and then an example of a song that teaches us something. Well, chapter 32 in its entirety is a song from Moses, given a last little bit of portion that we'll talk about after that. But chapter 32 is a song. And Moses is teaching the people a song so that they will always remember who God is, what God did for them from their history, and what will happen to the people if they don't choose God. And what's really cool, actually, in it, uplifting if you will, with me in chapter 32, verse 7. I know, now i got to flip the page. It starts like this. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father. He'll show you. Your elders, they'll tell you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted heritage, he found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Oh, that's nice. Like an eagle that stirs up in its nest that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride on high places of the land, and he ate the produce of the field. He suckled him with honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock, curds from the herd, mm, cheese curds, and milk from the, fl- I know it's different, I know it's different, but that's where I went. With fat of lambs, rams of Bashan and goats, with the very finest of the wheat, and you drink foaming wine made from the blood of the grape, or if you're me, sparkling grape juice, that works too, I'll take that. Right, this, this is a blessing. This is what the people had coming for them. And they threw it away. And then they complain, oh, God, what is wrong? What could I have possibly done? Dude, listen to the song. Tell you. This is our hope. This is our hope. See, God by nature, right? You've heard this before. By his nature, God is love. God wants to pour out love on us, be in relationship with us, give his best for us. So yeah, I'd say the next time something's canceled because of COVID or really any other reason, because let's be honest, COVID is not the worst thing that life could throw at us. The next time something is taken from you, you can't play a game, you're sitting on the bench, been there, done that, quit basketball because I spent an entire year on the bench. Next time life throws you a curveball, realize that there's a difference between God forsaking you and you just having a bad time. And what I also want you to hear is still give yourself permission to feel what you're experiencing. Don't just go, oh, well, God is bigger than the boogeyman, so I'm all right. Yes, you're all right. And cry. I love a good cry. So then where does this all end? Well, I'd say our hope, our hope is Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whomsoever believe in him 
will have eternity and not perish. John 3.16. Switch the last two sentences, though. Point being, you believe in God, you have eternal life. That is our hope. And this is the proof that God will not forsake us because he already gave us his best. Amen? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything that you're accomplishing here at Timberwood Youth. I thank you for the willingness of people to just hear my voice, to be in this relationship with each other, to learn from one another. I ask that they can go forward just hearing the message that you have not forsaken us, that we have hope. In your name I pray, amen. All right, guys, thank you very much. Yeah.